welcome to episode 16 of Ricardo's podcast. I'm back with Mai. How you doing? Doing good, sir. How are you? Uh, well, I'm doing good. Uh, I got in a little bit of... <laughs> Should we just do the announcement off top? Yeah, go on. Go on. Look, look, my wife went to Ghana. She's back. I'm on 14 days of lockdown. Um, had a discussion at the office. and was like, yeah, you know, what about people whose spouses have traveled? And they basically told me, you don't really have to go home, but you can't come in here for the next 14 days. <laughs> so for the next 14 days, I'll be at home. So this is the last time we're probably, not probably, this is probably the last time we're recording face-to-face for like the next two weeks. Yeah. But we'll find a way to do it, maybe over the phone or just record a few episodes tonight, a few short bits. But Moi, yes, look, before we get into the episode, there's two things that I saw, and I love bringing things I saw to you without <laughs> telling you what they are. Okay, yeah. And so... Again, because I was sitting home all day, I had a lot of time on my hands. And I saw this article that said, it was in the Daily Mail, not, not the most credible not source, the most credible source, but credible enough, right? Yeah, yeah. So it said that ever since the um, enforced quarantine and social distancing in China, Divorce rates are going up. <laughs> I saw that actually. No, 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 I actually back into that one. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you, do you think <laughs> do you think there's such a thing as spending too much time with your significant other? Yeah. Go. Um, but but also like um I was I was actually one of our workmates um said the same thing to me. He was like, yo, you have to be at home. It's gonna be interesting because you know, like you can't just be at home and you know, not be participating in everything. So um, I can imagine as a married person. Um, no, no, don't make this about me. I asked you. I asked <laughs> no, you. So, so for me, it's different because, like, um, like in my current relationship, having two weeks together is, you know, a hell of a time. Um, otherwise, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think having two weeks together is probably great, right? Yeah. But what happens when you guys have two weeks together? Like, if you guys were stuck in your apartment for two weeks, and every time you needed to eat, you had to call Uber Eats, and you guys were just here every day, all day, and not able to go outside. And you had to, like, kind of make decisions together. Yeah, like, how do you think you mix it up when you're stuck in the house with somebody? Ah, uh, it's crazy, because, like, most of the time, like, you're like, oh, what are we going to watch? You know, um, and what are we going to do? What are we going to cook? What are we going to, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think, like, when we're married couples, um, it's harder because like because you have to consistently see each other over and over again to have to be in the same room right because I mean you get a break when you go to work or something right but here's the thing whether you're married or not under the current circumstances you're stuck together true so just imagine for a second you're dating someone it's really not that serious but for whatever reason you guys went on a trip together and you can't go back home and you're stuck in the same place not just in the same city but in the same home for two weeks and you have to get to know each other Really real, well, for real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So for me, I do so think like basically a hop stranger, hop stranger, and you have to get to know them for two weeks straight in the same room. I think it's actually easier if you don't know the person because you're like, look, when I get home, this is gonna be over anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like it's all good. It actually reminds you of a story when um when I was in university, one of my classmates went um on a on an Asian trip, like in, somewhere close to Vietnam, on an Asian trip or a trip to Asia. You know what I mean? Anyway, um, and he was with this girl, right? And it was like a, a month, thing, right? Um, mm. And on the on the seventh day, or somewhere close to their eighth, whatever. He rested. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, um, yeah. So they they broke up, and they had to like travel with each other the rest of the trip. Have you ever broke up with someone? On a trip? Yeah. No, never. Like, it's happened to me, like, three times, I think. Oh, yeah, you told me a story once. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So once was, like, I went to Dominican Republic with, well, they're married now, so my friend Achille and his girlfriend at the time, who's now his wife. Yeah. Um, And I was dating someone, and so I brought her. And look, on the flight when we landed at JFK, I said, peace out. (laughs) I haven't spoken to her since. (laughs) Crazy. Um, The other time... Uh, was when I think this was 2010 yeah. I mean we went to so you were 42 then <laughs> yo chill <laughs> yeah uh-huh. um, and I think we we went to like four different countries and again by the time we landed it was it was peace out before we landed this time 
And I think a lot of times those trips really help you because like you really get to see whether or not you're compatible with the other person. Sure. The other trip, I don't know, did I tell you about the time I went to Tanzania in like 2007? No. Yeah, so this was like my third year of law school and my girlfriend at the time, um, well my girlfriend from undergrad actually, Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna name any names, most people know who that is. That would be what second year would be, yeah. Yeah. No, no. So I was in law school. She was still in. She oh, had, okay. Second year law school. Okay. No, yeah. no, my third year law school. She had graduated, and she was in Tanzania. And so, like, I took a flight from Chicago to Dar. Okay. Landed in Dar. She was supposed to be there, and I called. Her. I was like, "Yo, where are you?" And she's well, like, wait, so, "So before you, you continue that story, had you told me you were coming?" Yeah, I told her I was okay, coming. Cool. <laughs> so she was supposed to meet me there at the airport, but she didn't. And she was like, oh, there's a bus at six in the morning. You just catch it and you- <laughs> Wait, you from Chicago? <laughs> yeah, and she was, not, and she was there. not at the airport. She was not at the airport. And then I had to That's take- tough. I had to take a bus the next morning to Mbeya. Wait, is, wait, 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 okay, wait. So you got to the airport at what time? I think I got to the airport in Dar at like 6 p.m. So not only did I have to catch the bus at six in the morning, I had to find a hotel. <laughs> Right, and then so the third part about this that's wild is that <laughs> she, I had never been in a country that has like a lot of Muslim influence. Yeah. So you know the prayer call happens. Yes, yeah, true. If, you, if you've never heard that before and it happens outside, you're thinking like this is some emergency call. <laughs> <laughs> like if you've never wait, heard, wait, so you, you panicked. Yo, I panicked and ran downstairs because <laughs> like I had never been. <laughs> In a predominantly Muslim, why are you laughing? <laughs> so I ran. I think it was like at three in the morning. Anyone who knows probably knows the hours, but it was very dark outside. And I ran downstairs like, "Yo, what's going on?" And they're like, "Oh, people are being called to pray at the mosque." It's like, all good, bro. It's like, "Oh, okay." I'm not. So long story longer, took the bus to Mbeya, which is twelve hours, by the way. And it was one of those buses where like people have their chickens on their lap and uh, everything. You're on a chicken bus. That's yeah. actually called a chicken bus. Yeah, so I was, I was on one of those. Was, like literally, people have chickens on their lap. Yeah, and yeah. they're not dead yet. They're not dead yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I let I get to Mbeya and I call her, and she's like, "Oh, now you have to take a taxi to to Kuyu. What? Which is like an hour and a half. And now. Wait, so by this point in time, you didn't think something was wrong. Like, something no, was in my like, oh, Follow the story, follow the story, yeah. right? So, and this was the time, like, when I, I think I was like 24, 25. Yeah. I was rocking, like, you know, this was when, like, the G Unit wife beaters were big, right? Uh, I, mean, I, was, I always hated that. I'm like, why is it called a wife beater? Okay. But anyway, so yeah, I so, get to Takuyu. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, this is not working for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, really? I had to come away. Wait, wait, she told you. Wait, sorry. Wait. When you got there, as soon as you got there, or no, the conversation? When I got there, like the first night it was cool, and then we got up in the morning, walked around the town where she was doing what she was doing there. And then she was like, yeah, this isn't really working for me. What? So I had made this long pilgrimage only for her to tell me, like, look, we're, we're breaking up. So yeah, that's three times I've had a bad <laughs> scenario happen. Oh, that, that is, that is when, cool. That's cool. I mean, look, I give her credit because she knew what she wanted, and that was me. <laughs> and she could have known that before you thought. Nah, like, nah, nah. There's some, there are a few facts I omitted because okay. they made me look really bad. Okay. But let's just say I should have known cool. <laughs> before I got on the plane from Chicago. All right, moving on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there you have it. Now the second thing I saw yeah. was actually in my own house. <laughs> so. <laughs> nah, you know how like you have like. These home remedies that are meant to like cure things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, with the coronavirus thing that's happening, yeah, um, I saw the nanny like giving the boys like a eucalyptus bath. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yo, what is this? And she was like, yeah, you know, it's for their lungs with everything that's happening. And I was like, you know what? I'm not even gonna say anything here because again. Ultimately, it's a it's a positive thing. Why are you laughing? Like, get yourself together. Because I'm about to ask you a question. Yeah. Like, what's the weirdest home remedy that you've seen growing up? But then again, like your dad works for WHO, yeah, no, so we, like we, we, you we don't, don't do we that. Don't have, we don't. We don't have those ones. Um, yes. But like, I mean, I, I've definitely been raised up on this works and this doesn't work. And also, I was thinking earlier, right? Um, because growing up with the 
dad who works in that kind of space. Or just I, growing up with a dad, period. Fair. <laughs> is he had things where things would happen, so things like in his car, right? Mm-hmm. When, when there was uh, the potential for like uh, the army coming out, or things where the political scene was not good, mm-hmm. right? He'd be like, yo, <laughs> we unlocked down for like three, four days, <laughs> right? Oh. Right? And that was it. And that was because he was like, his office was just very like, yo, just the UN are generally very like, you know, <laughs> if something's about to go down, yo, let's, let's slow up, right? Right, right. Um, and so I'm used to it. So this lockdown stuff, like I'm used to it. I'm like, yeah, we're not going nowhere. We're going to sit outside. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to read some books. Yeah. But like your apartment, <laughs> yeah. we're recording at Moai's apartment right now. Yeah. And like a typical bachelor in his 20s. He just hang a big TV on the wall and that's it. <laughs> but you know, let me tell you, sorry, one of the things first things I did, which is very yeah, very bachelor like uh, <laughs> in the time, was I got the TV and I hung it up and my couch had to order it. Right. Um so uh, you go to the shop, you, you just tell them what kind of color so they have to make it first. Right. Um and I just had <laughs> the big TV and a camping chair. Um oh. <laughs> so I would <laughs> Well, like two weeks. <laughs> so you were just sitting here, <laughs> leaning back in a chair. Literally, like in the morning, I have breakfast in the cafeteria chair watching the TV. <laughs> yeah. So look, I grew up. But to be fair, I just moved here. So by just, you mean like ten months ago? No, no. I had at the time I had just moved. Oh country, right, right, right. So it was just like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up with all kinds of wild remedies, and I'm going to tell you two of them. Yeah. Try not to laugh too hard because we got a show to do. Sure. So the first one, when I had the measles when I was growing up. Um, I, I had measles. I had mumps. Oh, you've been through war. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I never got polio. But like, so in Jamaica, when you have, or I don't want to say in Jamaica, like, but I know in my family in Jamaica, when you had the mumps, not the mumps, the measles. Yeah. You would get a bath of like tamarind leaves. Yeah. And I don't know if it really did anything, <laughs> but like that probably did something. But the one that I know does absolutely. Also, I really enjoy how you say measles like it's flu. Like, oh no, when you get the measles in my family. <laughs> no, no, no. It was you only get it once. Stop it. Um, but the like other the one, passage. which is <laughs> yes, yeah, a rite of passage. Yo, you're on fire tonight. <laughs> yeah, so the other one, um, my mother. Yeah. And it's weird when you become a parent and you start watching your parent do things that like you're like, this doesn't work. And she's looking at you like, it worked on you. And I'm like, no, it didn't. So anyway, my son was having like, I think it was a headache or something. Yeah. And she's like, oh, wet a piece of napkin and put it in the freezer and put it on his forehead. What? That would kind of work. And I was just like, what is this? And I did it. And like hours later, after proper medication, which the boy got better yes. and she was like see it works <laughs> and like I didn't want to tell my mother that there was no Santa Claus like the real reason he's better is not because of this tissue that you've put on his forehead no but I mean I understand I mean, it can lower your you know the effect of the headache right through your temperature so it's not that wild to you it's not a wild thing though oh no, like to me I've always I don't thought. think that one's wild thing. Okay. but the tamarind when, when, when you had a headache did you ever put like a wet cloth on your like just like so there's a wet cloth and there's like she doesn't put like a whole piece of the paper towel it's like literally a very small piece that she tears off (laughs) exactly almost the size of like like exactly really almost like the size of like a nickel or a dime what and then put some on the top yeah wild stuff apparently it works yeah so look that was kind of like the first what Wow, we did 15 minutes on that. Let's speed this up. Yeah. Uh, what do we drink? So, again, we're drinking wine again. I brought some, uh, brought a Bordeaux Centimillion from 2015, mm-hmm. uh, Chateau Cadet, which is quite good. Um, it was one of the wines I wanted to import, but for whatever reason, chose not to, mostly price point. But more, look, I'm about to be locked down for 14 days. And this morning, I posted on the podcast page on Instagram, um, three books, or was it three or four? It was four books. Yeah. Um, suggestions that I had for other people to read. And I wanted to ask you, like, given that in all likelihood, unfortunately, you might also find yourself in this situation. Yeah. I want to ask you, like, what's one book, one movie, and one music album that you would want to have with you if you had to go in lockdown? Let's start with the book. Yeah, let's, let's do one one, right? Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you both. 
So, uh, otherwise, I don't remember everything. If I had to choose a book, um, one of my favorite books is uh, Letters to a Young Poet um, by Raina Maria Rooker, which is a collection of letters. I don't know if you ever read it. Keep going. <laughs> it's a collection of letters. And Raina Maria Rooker is like a, was a poet in the centuries a little while ago um, and he um, was renowned at the time and there was this young cadet uh, who was just joining uh, a military academy or something that he had gone to before and he wrote him some letters asking him advice about like his growing up and um, being a 20 or 30 something year old and never mm-hmm. using what um, and Rainer responded in about like eight letters to the letters that the guy wrote um, and those letters um, sort of together into a book, and those letters are some of the best understanding of life that have come across in the book. And this guy was going off to war? No, 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 he wasn't. He was just a military academy and arms or something. But like, okay. you know, he was just like going through the paces of because he wanted to be a writer. Yeah. Um, and so he he was like, yo, my my poetry's whack. and I don't know if I should be doing this or I should be a writer um, and so I think everybody but, but um, I think a lot of people go through the that moment when you're like should I follow this path of you know being uh, you know a banker or a financier or etc etc or should I for my rap career <laughs> <laughs> have you ever made a rap song? <laughs> um, no not really no oh, okay no. I've made a couple have you? Yeah. I made a couple that aren't very good. <laughs> I definitely made a couple that weren't very good. There is one that I think is pretty decent. Yeah. Um, but the vast majority of them are kind of like you can never. I have been on a rap song though. No, no, it's it's. But I was singing. You seem like the type who would sing on a rap song. Okay, cool. All right. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so like this is my favorite book. Um, and one of the letters um talks about like uh, especially at the point in time when you're transitioning. Um, the amount of questions that you have to yourself um, and one of my favorite parts of it just talks about uh, living the questions that you have um, without overthinking what those things mean to you mm-hmm. um, because you never really get the you can never really get the answer in the moment of what you really want um, it's through experience that you get to those things got it got it but you should try it out it's, it's some heavy stuff uh, it sounds like I'm past that phase no <laughs> no you should definitely try I'll send you one. I'll you No problem. We'll get back to this. So my book is A House for Mr. Biswas. And so when I got engaged to my wife, it was a book I gave to her. And I was like, you know what? You should read this. You'd probably get a sense of the kind of person that I am. So Mr. Biswas, yes, please, um, is this guy who essentially spent his entire life trying to get a house for him and his family. And all the while putting up with his in-laws who don't like him and who he completely detests. While at the same time trying to become a journalist in Trinidad. Okay. And it's fiction, by the way. It's It's fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fiction. Um, What is it, V.S. Nightbook. Okay. And the reason I like A House for Mr. Biswas is because I think so many, it reminds me of so many of the men that I grew up around and so many of the men I thought I would become yeah in that like you have kind of this insecurity about your place in the world yeah and you keep trying to find a way to overcome that place you have in the world which you're not comfortable in yeah and so you overcompensate every way possible like there's this scene in the book where like the builder has come to do the work yeah he doesn't have the money to pay for the house (laughs) right and so there's this standoff where like he's trying to make it seem like it's the builder's fault and not his. <laughs> Excuse me. But at the same time, the builder yes. doesn't have everything to build a house. So he's trying to make it seem like it's because you haven't paid. Yeah, I haven't got everything. And so it's this perfect moment of two people who are so insecure about their position in life that they're like really not comfortable saying what the real problem is. I can't build a house. I don't have the money. But beyond that, it's really, really well written. Um, and so for me, like, that's a book that I always go back to and the journalism part of it gets me as well because like, I grew up wanting to be a journalist thinking that I would be and I failed many times at trying to be a pretty good writer. And so whenever I grew up in the head and you wanted to be a snitch. (laughs) (laughs) You're on fire tonight. I see you. I see you. 
Ah, this is what happens when you give people under 31. Um, but no, like that book is, it's one that really marked me. I mean, there are a few others, yeah. but I think if I were stuck for like a week and had to like pull off something off my shelf, mm-hmm. the most likely reading would be that. The other one is Homegoing by Yagi Yassi. Okay. But it's too soon for that one. I read it in 2016. I feel like I got... I've seen that. I was actually planning to read it or something. No, you should. You should. So, like, for me, it's probably the best book about the transatlantic slave trade. Okay. Because it tells a story of a family that's on both sides. Yeah. And it does it without any judgment at all. And it's just really, really excellent. But I I want it to sit for, like, 10 years before, like, I really say, like, this... Today, I will say it's probably one of the five books, best books I've ever read. Okay. But it's too soon, right? Yeah, like yeah, it's, give it time. it's like hearing an album and you're like, yo, this is a classic. Yeah, slow down. Slow down. Um, so, okay. So I would go with A House for Mr. Biswiss. You would go with a book of life advice. It's not, so it's, it's, so it's you're not, basically it's, recommending that people read self-help help books. I hate self-help, self-help books, books generally. But wait a minute. Before we move from this book, like I hate it. You wanted oh, to yeah, tell I wanted me, to say, which actually reminds me that yeah. like this, this remind, this topic reminds me of when you ask somebody what their favorite book is, mm-hmm. say The Alchemist. Um, say more. <laughs> say more. And I feel like The Alchemist is. By the way, you're on a ledge alone on this one. So keep <laughs> going. The Alchemist is. I understand, right? Um, yeah, it, it does have some self-help potential. Right. Um, there was some. Good understanding. Um, of so, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Yes, correct. Um, about like following your dreams, following and, your dreams, and you know, taking wherever it takes you. First off, have you read it? I have read it. Oh, I didn't want you on on here like hating on something. No, you no, no, read. no, no. So, okay, one, one thing I'll never do is hate on something mm-hmm. if I haven't like given it a shot. Right. So I know I, I sat down and read it, um, and I I think of all of the books mm-hmm. that are available out there. Uh, <laughs> that one would not make it into the top of anyone's list. No, but it's in a lot of people's list, and it's like always one of the global best. Which makes best no list. sense. But explain to me why you don't like it, because I can see why people like it, right? Like, why do people it, like it? It is kind of this book that tells you about self fulfillment, about you can do it, you can overcome. And I remember, um, so a YouTube video. <laughs> like one of those ones. Well, this was written before the age of YouTube, right? Like, so it's, it's basically a YouTube video. No, it's like not. One of the motivational ones. It, it it is quite motivational, but I think you know the. I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation of this term, but it's like the buildings Roman, right? Yeah. The coming of age tale, and like the young man or young woman who goes on a journey. And so, like you have Truman Capote's book that's like that. You have Black Boy, the autobiography by Richard Wright, which is also like that. You have quite a few books. The most famous or the best one is The Portrait of an Artist as a Young Man. Yes. And so you have a lot of books that are telling this story of coming of age, of overcoming. There's uh, La Vie de Bonsoir. Wow, I want you to take The Portrait of an Artist as a Young Man over The Alchemist. But The Portrait of an Artist is not as accessible either. And yes, I, think I, I think that's, that's my problem with it, right? No. I, I don't think literature should be non-accessible. But... I don't think so. Like, what oh, so this is you being classist again? No, no, it's not. It's not. So it, the it, reason it you oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. It sounds to me like the reason you hate the alchemist is because you can't stun on someone and be like, you don't understand this. No, <laughs> the alchemist is so you, art as it should be for I, I, everyone. I, and I understand that, but what it reminds me of is like those Instagram captions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> literally, if <laughs> if a book was that was one of those, literally, the, that's what the alchemist is. Instagram captions. Yeah, but I feel like you're being classist. I and it is not. Because I'll tell you why I don't like The Alchemist. Why don't you like it? Because I don't think the story... I think the story is told in a way that like you always know the character is going to overcome. Yes, and I don't think it's well-written. So that's that's another discussion we can have. Yeah, right? but this, it's, not, it's not a well-written. But this idea that it's somehow too accessible... No, 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 I, I, I don't masses. think that's, 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 You, you didn't say that, I but I think that. anyone listening no, 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 can so know where you you're going. Implied. You implied. All, 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 all I think about it, right, um, is that it it is a book that has a purpose in terms of, like, it has a message you need to tell. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that message was entirely told in a... told well. Okay, right. fair enough. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you on this. If, if you're going to, I think if you're going to, like, uh, have a message, and try to put it through fiction. 
mm-hmm. at least make your, your fictional story be good. Okay, look, I'm not going to fight you on this. I tend to disagree, but I know, you know, people like yourself and their ivory wow, towers sir. don't like to see me enjoy life. So, second, so second, second um, let's do let's do music. What's the one album you would take with you? So, if I was to be in isolation, mm-hmm. um, Michael Kiwanuka, Home Again. That's what you were listening to when I walked in. No, here. I was listening to Kiwanuka. Oh, sorry, my bad. His third, fourth album. Yeah. Um, so Michael Kiwanuka, Home Again, um, is is uh, an album by an artist from. Um, the UK, I think it's U- he's Ugandan, I think. Ugandan, yeah. like originally, um, and he's like a folk kind of singer songwriter um, who really just he's like very like acoustic led, you know. Um, plays his guitar, he tells a story, and that's that. And why Home Again is one of my favorite things, and why I could stick with it um, is it tells a story from start to beginning for me about the idea of like what what your home is um, going somewhere else and trying to create a life there um, and knowing that because you did that so basically a fugitive not <laughs> a fugitive no. uh, but like just knowing that yeah but it feels like that sometimes I think like knowing that uh, you left and did that you won't always ever feel comfortable being back home you know what I was hoping we would save this for like a separate podcast but we're here now, right? This is going to be very long. Because I feel like one of... So, Moi and I haven't even known each other for a year yet. Yeah. Right? But I think one of the things we both have in common is that we're kind of lifelong immigrants. Yes. Like, you were Malawian but grew up in Zim. In Zim. I'm Jamaican. I grew up in the U.S. Yeah. You went to study in the U.K. Yeah. And then ended up working in... Zim for a bit. Yeah. And moved to Kenya. Right. And so I feel like this this life of always being away from home yes. and always being the person in your family who's different. Yes. Um, particularly from your siblings. Yes. Um, in my case, different from my siblings and my parents. Yeah. And how do you connect with the place that you're from? And how do you even connect with like people who aren't from that place but right they have a certain expectation of you yeah, yeah so when i think of someone from malawi i don't think of someone with clear frame glasses and tuxedo <laughs> pants but that's saying? who you are <laughs> and so uh, no no it, 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 it I'm, I'm joking but it, it, it's a real thing it's like i think like there's an angst that you get um, mm-hmm. and i've had to navigate the angst um of going back home so to speak um and being in that place and people looking at you who are from there mm-hmm. um, who from the instant they see you or hear you talk or like you're not where you from mm-hmm. you're not from here right? um, I mean when, when I visited there like a month ago I mean I went somewhere but here's the thing right like you keep referring to the place you're from as there um, yeah so like the thing right, is, so it's not even you don't even speak of it like going back home so it's, it's, it's a very hard thing to say going back home because home has become has not is no longer a place for me and it can't be a place mm-hmm. because I've grown up in between so many places so to, to define passport got hella stamps right <laughs> I feel you I feel you flex a little bit you could do that <laughs> to definitively say like this place here is home for me um, is 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 a hard thing to do um, right right so that's why that album for me is you know like home again and like, like it encapsulates everything that I have thoughts about like I mean a good amount of what I felt about like being a stranger no matter where you are okay so that's a clips notes version we're gonna do that on like a separate episode yeah, and really yeah, like yeah. flesh everything out yeah for me that album would be cocktails by too short no I'm kidding <laughs> I was like what <laughs> nah do <laughs> you know that album no I don't know yeah what, when I leave you should I'll, like, I'll, I'll, I'll get that review. yeah I, so for me I think I don't really have one to be honest with you cause like I think if I had to pick one, I'd probably choose Till Shiloh by Butcher. Okay. And why? So, look, there are only like three artists I would see live. Okay. One is Sade, the other is Adele, the other is Butcher. So I was going to go to Coachella to see Sade because that was going to be, you know, Yeah, blessed. but the unfortunate thing is Butcher was here and I didn't go. So how much do I want to <laughs> see him live? <laughs> this is the question I was going to ask. Because he came a few weeks ago and I was like, hmm. Because they canceled it the week it was supposed to happen, and then it happened the week after, and I was like, yo, I'm not going. 
Um, but I think that album to me is kind of like one of so very few reggae artists, dancehall artists, make good albums, first of all. Yeah, yeah. Like they make one or two good songs. But Buju has like maybe four or five albums. He has that one, he has Inner Heights, he has Mr. Mention. Yeah. And the one he did, I forget the title of it, but that one probably came out like 2006. Yeah. Um, but like that album to me has like a lot of kind of like both sides of what I like about dancehall. It's like the, the party vibes and then kind of like the vibes about like, yo, these are stories about where we're from. Um, there's a, there are a few Back to Africa songs on there. There's African Pride, which is on there as well. Okay. Um, there's a song with Garnet Silk, who I really love. Um, so, like, I think that would be the one, but I listen to so much hip-hop that I can't even imagine, like, being locked down and choosing something that's not hip-hop. Um, really? Yeah, so, like, for me, I don't know. Like, I'd probably choose, like, Liquid Swords or something, or maybe The Infamous by Mob Deep, or... Yeah. I don't know, like, and, right. and those are wild albums to be locked down to. Yeah, like, you're gonna listen to this like over and over again for like two, three weeks. I think I could listen to Mob Deep's The Infamous for like two weeks. Okay. Because for me, that's like the one album that like signifies like the crime rap era in New York. Yeah. Like that's the best version of that whole thing. I mean, crime, crime rap era was a time. Yeah, and like there are a lot of people who copied that thing, but like I don't think anyone else did it as well as they did about like you know songs you know being on the run like going to visit a girl in a neighborhood that you're not from kind of like when you went to Brixton with that girl <laughs> and you felt you felt the energy right like you wanted to get up out of there strong yeah, yeah yeah and so for me like Mob Deep's The Infamous is probably the hip-hop album and again I love Nas I love Illmatic but if I had to listen to something over and over again like it'd probably be if it's a hip-hop album it's probably The Infamous by Mob Deep okay Okay, so let's get to movies because we're now at 33 minutes. And like I said, once this thing gets over 45, I've seen it's I've seen the over. stats. It's all over. <laughs> so what's the one film you'd watch? If I had to be in the same place and I was playing in the background. Because it's the only thing I do in movies. I don't I don't concentrate. Like I just play them in the background. You got ADD? Uh, no, I don't. But it's just like, no, I mean like it's, if I have to watch something again, um, I'm like, I know what's going to happen. I'm not going to like concentrate so no no like like let's not even say watch it over and over again but you're on lockdown yes you have your book that's probably gonna take you like four or five days yes right but then again if you have nothing else to do why would it yeah um and then you have the album that you'll play while you're doing your push-ups your sit-ups or whatever yeah and then you have the movie that you actually watch so let's not make it something that you play over and over again just like one time well I, 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 to me if it was one movie um and if I was in that situation um, it would have to be this movie called it's a very indie movie I don't know if you've watched it uh, it's called uh, In the Mood for Love nah let me actually like, nah 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 I'm not in the no, mood no, for love no, just no, go ahead no, keep, no, no, keep no, talking no, no, no. Oh, I'm gonna google the name of the I wanna like butcher his name <laughs> uh, name of the director so it's, it's this movie set in Hong Kong um, the 1970s um, and basically it's about these two couples who move into an apartment building um, and where there's like two like older couples in between them and the, the premise of the movie uh, is where the director is one car wide I don't want to butcher that so basically the premise of the movie is that between the two couples um, mm -hmm. you never meet the man in the one couple one of the couples um, and the woman in the other but it turns out that those two are cheating on the uh, protagonist hmm. um, on, with each other oh um, and it's not necessarily anything to do with the dialogue or whatever happens in the movie um, it's just such a beautifully shot movie that the colors and the way I don't know if you know much about framing but like a lot of the framing like keep going you're all fine tonight it's cool <laughs> Um, the framing of like the movie like where like there is there's a framing of like the camera and then it's framed inside the camera with maybe like the hallway so someone could be standing in the middle of the hallway I get it I get it keep going so that yeah so um, it's <laughs> yeah, I, I just want you to finish <laughs> it's a beautiful shot movie um, and the tension of I think like without that much dialogue mm -hmm. of being put in a situation that you never thought would happen for you yeah, you know, you like like I can get married, I could do A, B, C, D things, work out this way. Mm -hmm. um, the tension or the moment when you are in the quietness of realizing that, yeah, like what's 
because that might not be what I what it was. Um, right, but you just suggested a movie that people should watch for the colors and the framing. Not yeah. everyone is like an art house goon, right? Oh. A few people want to watch a good story. So, like, let's say you're watching it with someone, right? Like, you're not alone. I'll make them watch that. Not again. Like, I'm don't sorry. don't be selfish. Like, <laughs> let's say there's a film <laughs> that, like, you have to get to the point. Like, I'm trying to get you to be more accessible <laughs> to, to the audience because, like, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm like. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a beautiful movie. I hear you. But if, if I had to do that mainstream movie, I'd do a Dark Knight. Mm. Bane. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what's coming. <laughs> yes. No, I... You thought the Dark was your in ally. One, in one of my WhatsApp groups, like, I keep posting that picture of Bane on top of, like, the Batmobile <laughs> on the picture. Because I'm like, this is what's coming. Like, Or even, like, the one of the Joker was on the... Dark Knight. Begins? No, just the Dark Knight, I think. The Dark Knight. Yeah. Because the Joker in that movie talks about people only are only as nice as society allows them to be um, and when society changes people show the true colors yeah. which is what you've been saying that's been happening right now you're fighting with some granny over toilet paper right in the store like so people are only as nice as society allows them to be so I think I maybe even so maybe not like Dark Knight Rises I would, I would say that the, the, the Dark Knight yeah, that, that, that was a piece of art I think when he was like, everyone kill this guy, or like, the city. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but you, what, what movie would you choose? So, I'm not going to choose one, I'm going to choose three. Yeah, this is why you made me choose a mainstream one, and why not choose? Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm going to go, so when I was, I think, junior year of college, when I got back from studying abroad, I was in that whole, like, you know, I just got back from Europe, I'm enlightened. <laughs> um, Isn't that you now? No, no, I'm just enlightened, <laughs> period. Yeah. But I took this course on Italian cinema. And since our good friends in Italy and, and are on, didn't watch this movie. That's what you about. Didn't watch it because it wasn't that great. No, I'm not drinking that, by the way. That's no, I'm not touching that. The one he's talking about is the one that he sold me for twelve dollars. <laughs> like I, he gave me this wine, bro. In a carry on. I'm not. I'm gonna drink it. It's all good. I know. I have clients who are at the lower level of the spectrum. Yeah. I gotta <laughs> cater to them. But no. So like, there were. I took this course in Italian cinema and some of the best movies I watched yeah. were in that class and okay. mostly because you kind of have someone walking you through what else is going on mm-hmm. um, so my favorite out of the whole thing and then so I'll somebody hold your hand precisely that's why I got married <laughs> there you have it right <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> now what <laughs> right um, so out of all the movies I watched there was um, my favorite was Bicycle Thief Okay. And Bicycle Thief is this father-son narrative. And as someone who kind of... I was really close to my dad up until the time I was nine years old. Yeah. So, like, watching that, I could remember that relationship. So, like, Bicycle Thief is set, like, post-World War II where people are looking for jobs in Italy. And so this guy, he goes every day, he gets in line. Finally, he gets a job to be someone who puts up, like, posters. Yeah. And so he's putting up posters, but he's riding his bicycle around to put them up. Yeah. And so he puts up the poster, and then while he's working, someone comes and steals his bicycle. Okay. Which he actually needs to do his job. Right. Now, the nuance in the whole thing is that the title in Italian is Bicycle Thieves, plural. Mm. But in English, it's Bicycle Thieves, singular. Oh. And... I think the English translation didn't want to give away what happens at the end, so it kept a singular. But after he got his bike, bike stolen, it's the movie is him and his son walking around all day looking for the bike while getting into all different kinds of things around the city. Yeah. And so finally, like most people, he reaches his breaking point. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's there and he sees a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> And so you can imagine what happens yeah, yeah. based on the Italian title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He steals the bicycle, but he gets caught by a mob. What? And his son is standing there watching him, just getting embarrassed. And so for me, like the great thing about that is, or the sad thing is that like that son got the idea of his dad being Superman taken away from him at the time he was like six years old. And I think most men lose that idea of their father probably by the time they're like 17 or 18. Yeah. But like the Superman idea of your father is very necessary. Yes. Um, so, like, I really love Bicycle for that kind of, like, father-son relationship. And, again, as someone who's really close with his dad when I was, like, up to the age of nine, like, I really love that movie. The other two, I won't get into too much. 
Open City, okay, which is also World War II, um, talking about like kind of like fascism in Italy as well. I really love World War II, bro. That was a good time for you. <laughs> You're on fire. <laughs> You're on fire. Um, and then the, like the good times. And then the third one is Rocco and Hitler. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Go, go back to Open City. Tell me what was that like. God. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so it's like it's this family like and so open city is like Rome, yes. right? Like and so it's shot in Rome, it's shot outdoors, and it continues kind of like this trend that was happening like post World War II. It's set in post World War II, but it wasn't shot at 45, it was shot yeah. like in the sixties. Yeah. And so like there's this whole tradition in like European filmmaking to kind of like take the take the movies outside. Yeah. And so you would see the cities, and like in France, they had that wave as well. Like you'll watch movies, like um, I'll get back to it. Yeah. But you know, so Open City is about like Rome, like post World War II, kind of like fascism. How do you make your way in it? Like people having to go underground to have their political party meetings and yeah. things like that. So that was really good. And then the third one is Rocco and His Brothers. Okay. Which is this movie about like you know, I think they were the four or five brothers, and like how they kind of like. Um, how they get along and how they fall out really okay and so there's kind of this scene in the film that's like really famous where it's kind of like this parallel editing that they do where like one of them is in a boxing match while at the same time like a woman is being raped or like there's an attempted rape and so there's kind of like this kind of like as the guy's boxing they're like oh cover up and then like she's fighting the guy off as well and so like it's really really gritty but like Rock and his brothers is a great film but because our brothers in Italy are on lockdown thought I'd give them a shout out if you want to like kind of watch some Italian films like those are like really really great cool I'm gonna I'm, I'm give them a shot yeah no no all, I mean I got time yeah I got time on my hands Bicycle Thief is like the best out of all of them like kind of and the director of that I think his name is De Sica. okay and if I'm wrong unfortunate but like I think that's his name and he has like a lot of really good movies so there's another one called Umberto D mm-hmm. there's another one called Shine, which is also good but bro we're losing the audience if I keep going so anyway <laughs> three really good Italian movies but if you want to watch something different that's like super popular Godfather 2 which I really love watch it a lot that's like I think I've I think, no, but I've watched Godfather 2, like, start to finish, like, six times. Okay. Like, it's not like, oh, go watch Godfather, because, like, it's the number one movie of all time. Like, Godfather 1, I think I've seen maybe once, but... You watched The Wire? That's a different show. No, it's a quick No, no, I love, I love... Dude, The Wire is the best TV show ever, after Seinfeld, but, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so that's those three. So, your book is a self-help book. Letters to your unquote. A, a self-help book. Um, Not the alchemist. A book about a fugitive. Uh, I'm sorry, an album about running away from home, <laughs> and a film. Is this that's, you trying to get your punches in at the end? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> and a film basically that's like has beautiful colors. No, it's a beautiful story. Got it, got it. And like some, uh, just like the cinematography is amazing. Yeah. Pass me my phone, please. Uh, cool, cool. Is there anything else that we have? I think we're at 45 minutes. I. I think that probably is it, right? Yeah, I think that's it. Alright, cool. Thanks for listening to episode 16. If you're on lockdown, stay home. Like, don't go out. Just enjoy yourself. Make sure you have some books. Make sure you have some movies, some music you like. Or some wine. Oh, I meant to ask you this. I didn't ask. So within that, what's the one person you'd also want to be on lockdown with? Someone from history. So like not your girlfriend, not your mom, not oh, your dad. Okay, okay. Like I don't want to make it that easy for you. Because I know you were about to say your girlfriend, right? Easy. Who are you about to say? My girlfriend, yeah, easy question. I knew that's what you were going to say. That's why I wouldn't allow you to do that. So give me someone who's actually from history. No. Because if <laughs> that's you're going to be a combat. Because the other thing, if you're locked down with your girlfriend, you guys might break up. Nah, we're good. We've done two weeks before. Okay. We did two weeks when I was here. Wait, sorry, and then Christmas. Um, so a person I would. Oof. Yeah. Tough question. Yeah. Who, who you no, no, I asked you. I know you asked me. I'm asking you who you choose. Because I'm just going to tell you, like, the older book I told you about. Maybe you're looking for love. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not a book about love, though. It's, it's really not. No, no, but that was the title of the film, right? No. No, 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 no. Author of the book. No, but the title of the film you mentioned was. Oh, okay, yeah, in the booth of love. Yeah, so I kind of tied them both together. Uh, exactly. Word, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can, but. Man, that's, that's a tough question. 
Um, I think then it would have to be um, an artist I really admire, right? Um, and and if it was not for all of the the scandals that have said Michael Jackson back in my day, because you know I would love to be in the space to like start talking music and <laughs> to understand what that process. Is. But why are you trying to front like you're some kind of musician? No, no, because like, ever since I was a kid, that was my favorite thing. Music was always my favorite thing. But my dad used to record, like, um, when I was, like, young. Um, my dad was in New Orleans. Um, and he, he used to record, like, on, on like, the, the video cassette things. Um, Michael Jackson concert. Mm-hmm. And they, like, bring them back home to me. Got it. Um, and I would sit down, like, in front of the TV, and that was me. Mm. <laughs> but who you choose? Because I hadn't thought about it, I just thought about asking you the question. I never thought I'd have to answer it. Um, it'd probably be a political figure. Okay. Um, you sure you want to wake up and see the man in the morning, like you know? Nah, nah, nah. I, full glory every morning, every day. Dude, like I'm not saying I want to hang out with Stalin for two days. <laughs> so, huh? Probably someone like you know, like John Locke or like. Because you're there for two weeks, all you're doing is talking, right? Like, it's all live now. I think it's probably like one of those political theories, theorists that I read like in college or something. But like bringing it more current, like the stuff that I like doing, I think I probably want to like sit down with someone like Richard Wright, who wrote like Native Son and Black Boy, two books that I really love okay. on like being black in America and all of that. So I think that's who I'd probably choose. But more contemporary, um, if it was somebody who's like hot right now, yeah, I tell sit with Jay Electronic for two weeks and tell his album is trash. So Jay, Joe Budden said that. Uh, so Joe Budden, um, I think on his podcast, um, spoke with, uh, spoke about the album. And uh, Jay Electronica tweeted mm-hmm. um, to Rory, Rory, that is uh, one of his uh, co-hosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what he said, such a sentence, but like, you know, Joe Budden was like, no, you at me, don't, don't, don't talk to him, right? Um, and the guy was like, Electronica was like, listen, I've never listened to any of your albums. Um, I've never sat down with them, so I don't know what you were talking about. Yeah, I, I, I listened to the album. I just didn't think it was that good. And I think for someone who's as good of a rapper as he is, a lot of people expected better. And a lot of people expected him to do an actual album and not use Jay-Z as a crutch, right? So if you look at this guy who made Exhibit C, you're thinking, oh, he's coming back. He's about yeah. to kill us with a couple tracks. And like, he didn't do that. He put one verse on everything. Yeah. And I think it's because like his content is too dense. And I don't mean like over my head. I think really, really dense. And it's really hard to do a whole song on the material he's talking about. Because outside of being Muslim and using words in Arabic, I'm not sure that there's much more to it. And dense in terms of what you do. Not accessible. Yeah, in terms of just the language. I'm not even talking about not understanding, but like the language he uses is not like it's it's kind of like the probably the argument you would make for loving it and not liking The Alchemist is that it's inaccessible. But beyond that, like, when I listen to that album, I'm just like, these songs aren't good. And I come at it from a standpoint of, like, when I think of debut albums, I think of It's Dark and Hell is Hot, Illmatic, Reasonable Doubt. Like, you gotta plant a flag when you come out as, like, your first album. And I don't think he did that. I think he's just like... He got on there with Jay-Z, they have zero chemistry. True. And it's just like two good rappers rapping. And then like this Jay-Z thing, I think it's cool that like he's had this racial awakening. Yeah. But like if you think about the Philip Morris family, right? Like yeah. people who make cigarettes. Yeah. Like how would we feel if like 20 years later they started be- building like research centers for lung cancer? Well, I guess it's never too late <laughs> to like to like to wrap up the story. Um I'm about to talk about the, uh, the Instagram. Um, oh yeah. The one who was like she like traveling across Europe, across Europe, whatever. Um, and I mean, all this stuff is going on. Whatever. She just gets to London, um, and you know she's having brunch and stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then like a couple of days later, she posts and she was like, "Guys, you know, like I'll be the first to admit that you know I raised my hand. <laughs> I didn't do the research." <laughs> yeah. And uh, so look, I, I I like both rappers. I like Jay, like I like Jay Z, but I think the two of them together is basically boiling water and the album just wasn't any good so so that's all i have to say i don't know if you have anything else to say i would say like kendrick um has a message in his music 
music. And it's accessible. Yes, but to you saying like Jay Electronica, the stuff you said is dense, right? Um, but Jay has say in the same way Kendrick has very dense music, isn't it? But like, okay, let's go back to like Good Kid, Mad City. Like, yeah. if you want to do this, we're gonna do it. <laughs> I was hoping. I don't think this is gonna make it through the yeah, like the final cut. That, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, so I think like for Kendrick, like Kendrick made like a debut album in Good Kid, Mad City. That's like in the tradition of debut Yo, albums. I am mad about the different range of the one we've been having and this wine that you sold me. <laughs> I told you. Dude, it's like, I am mad. It's $12. That's what you difference expect. In range. <laughs> like, I tasted it. I was like, what? So anyway, let's, let's get back on it, right? Like, Good Kid, Mad City to me is a classic coming of age tale. Yes. Kind of like a portrait of the artist as a young man. Correct. Correct. Kind of like Illmatic. Kind yes. of like Reasonable Doubt. Yeah. And so for me, when I think of a debut album, even it's dark and hell is hot, even like, I don't think 50's debut album really is Get Rich or Die Trying. I think it's Power of the Dollar, the one he released like in 99, 2000. And to me that was similar, like that's where you have like the song The Ghetto Quran where he's talking about everything, all the drug dealing he saw coming up in Queens. And for me, I think that's what a debut rap album really is. It's a life story. Yeah. And I felt like this wasn't anywhere along the range of like what we have grown to accept as a quality first effort from an excellent rapper yes so i think you're right kendrick is a bit more dense but the music is accessible like money trees is a great song yes right like even the good kid mad city song that he did with mci right like really good song yeah even the one like you know the album starts off i met her at a house party on el segundo and like he starts talking about even what is drake even go into like that mainstream kind of thing. Yeah, even though that like that's my least favorite song on the album. <laughs> no, but it was good though. You know, you had a message. It was alright. Um, <laughs> so like that's the thing. Like I think when I was anticipating hearing this album, which I stopped anticipating five years ago, so I'm like, look, like you've given up. Like you're... I think it took too long. He that's what the problem is. You know what listening to that album was like? What? It was like watching Tyson fight after he got out of prison. But I think that's true. He's, he waited too long. Yeah, he's, he's not the same route. You're way too far. So look, we're, we're, we're 53 minutes in. Do you want to keep going? No, let's cut off. All right, cool. Thanks for listening to episode 16 of Ricardo's podcast. Uh, enjoy yourself out there. Stay safe. Keep your family safe. Keep the people around you safe. And um, yeah, um, we're going to record another episode quickly just so I have something to post <laughs> in the next few days. So take care of yourself, man. Peace. All right, bye.